please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. That's the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 and please join me in prayer. Father God, please be pleased to be in our presence today. We welcome you. We worship you. We worship your son who is the king of all kings. And we thank you, Lord, that when you are welcomed in this place, when we lift you up above ourselves and our circumstances, our problems, our issues, our fears, something supernatural happens that the world can't understand, and that is you inhabit and dwell in the midst of the praises of your people. You are worthy to be praised. You created us to worship you. All creation was created to give honor and glory to you, to point to you. For without you, we would be nothing. Without you, we would have nothing. But because of you, we are something. And because of you, we have some things. But all those things pale in comparison to the excellence of knowing Jesus Christ, the one who came and was wrapped in human flesh, the one who was born so that we could be born again. We thank you for sending your son. Jesus, we thank you for giving your life. We also thank you for giving us the victory. We also thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit, would you lead us? Would you teach us things that man cannot teach us? Would you allow us to peer into scripture that we might peer into eternity to see the marvelous things that you are doing? May our focus today not be exclusively on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And as we talk about the angels today, give us eyes to see the invisible. Give us a heart to believe the impossible. We thank you for having us covered, coming and going, blessed in our going out, blessed in our coming in, blessed in the fields, blessed in the city. You're an amazing God. We worship you. Help us to let our light shine when we leave this place. Help us to diffuse everywhere your fragrance when we leave this place. Fill us up that we may go out into the world and that the love they see in us and through us, people will know that Jesus is for real. We thank you, oh God. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, before I get to preaching this morning, um, there are some congratulations that are in order. I want to congratulate, I want us to congratulate Brother Andre Hearn. Andre, would you stand, please? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait. Y'all clapping, I ain't even told you what he did yet. 
Andre graduated on Friday, and he is now a state trooper in Tennessee. Amen. Congratulations, brother. Congratulations. I, I know that's been a dream of yours, and watching you um, work and do different things until you could get to your dream. Um, man, we're so proud of you. And uh, look at your wife glowing next to you. Amen. Amen. Hey, Ray, what's happening? Good to see you this morning. Love the family. Where, where's mama at? Where's mama? There she is. Hallelujah. What's up, mama? Wow. Wow. And then also, um, you know, this Sunday coming up is Christmas morning. And uh, we will have a one-hour Christmas communion service next Sunday right here. So be sure to join us. Uh, one hour Christmas communion service next Sunday on Christmas morning. Um, however, however, um, if the weather is inclement, if it's a little too tough to come out, we will let you know because they're calling for uh, well below freezing numbers on that day. Uh, we, we read reports of nine degrees uh, there may even be rain mixed with snow. We'll let you know. Uh, and if that happens, uh, my wife and I will just do a fireside chat on that morning. We'll send you a little word, but we'll let you know. Um, amen. Well, this morning I want to talk about what we sang about. Hark the herald angels sing. So often when we talk about angels... I believe we give more attention to fallen angels as opposed to angels who did not fall. Um, we, we know a little bit more about demons than we know about angels. But this morning, I kind of want to clear some of that up, and I want to share some things with you about angels this morning, the good ones, the ones who did not fall. The song we sang, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, was written by Charles Wesley in 1739. Charles had a famous older brother named John. And John Wesley is the father of Methodism, which is where the Methodist church comes from. So very powerful family in the Lord. But Charles, the younger brother of John, he wrote over 6,000 500 hymns. He wrote over 6,500. That's more than David wrote uh, in the Bible. Man, so Charles loved to write hymns, and some of his hymns included, and can it be? Some of us who grew up maybe in Methodism or even in the Presbyterian church, we're familiar with the song, and can it be that I should gain uh, an interest in my Savior's love, died he for me, and all that. And then he also wrote, Christ the Lord is risen today. That's Charles Wesley. I figure if you write 6,500, you got to get a couple of hits. You know, I mean, you got to get a couple of hits in there. But probably his best-known hymn is Heart, the Herald Angels Sing, which was inspired by Luke chapter 2. And I'll begin reading in verse 13. The Bible says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, 
peace, goodwill toward all men. So as we've read the Christmas story, we know that an angel appeared to the shepherds uh, on the night that Jesus was born to tell them the good news and for them to leave the fields and hurry over to Bethlehem to see this miraculous sight. But when the angel finished communicating the message, there appeared a heavenly choir and they began to worship God. And isn't it good? to be in the midst of such a powerful choir here at our church. Can we give God praise and thanks for the men and women who work so hard and the musicians who play so well to give us just a taste of what heaven is going to be like. And so a heavenly choir showed up and they began to praise the Lord. Now listen to this. When God chooses to do something significant in human history, He often utilizes the ministry of angels in the process. Let me say that again. Whenever God chooses to do something significant in human history, he often utilizes the ministry of angels in the process. For instance, Job chapter 38 verses 4 through 7 tell us, The angels or the morning stars sang and praised God as he created the heavens and the earth. So God created the angels, then he created the heavens and the earth, and as he created the heavens and the earth, Job chapter 38 says the morning stars sang and praised God. You see, one of the reasons that the angels was created was to give God glory. That's one of the reasons you were created as well, to give him glory, honor, and praise. Because God is so worthy that he knows he's worthy and he's worthy of praise. He doesn't shy away from praise because he knows that there is none like him. Uh, As a matter of fact, when you watch a good movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger or Rocky Balboa, whoever's in it, they always have a theme song uh, because they're, you know, all of that. And so God has these folks that praise him with theme music throughout all eternity because he's the hero of all heroes. So wherever he goes, his theme music goes with him and they give him glory, honor and praise. But I ain't going to let no angel cry in my place. I, I got some praise to give him as well. You see, angels are an innumerable army. And they are mighty celestial beings. They are innumerable and they are mighty and they are celestial. And they serve God in managing the affairs of human history. Angels were created by Christ and for Christ. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 reads as follows. For by him... All things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So did you see that? He created everything, visible and invisible, thrones, principalities, and dominion. And the thing about angels is that they are an organized army. Uh, uh, They they have various uh, um, ranks and and rulership within the angels as well as with the demons. But Jesus is the one who created all of these uh, 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 beings and they were created for him. 
So the word angel literally means messenger. Messenger in the Greek, angelos. Angel, messenger. And angels are messengers who deliver God's messages. They're not there to deliver their own messages. They're there to deliver God's messages. And in Luke chapter 2, we see how the angel showed up and said to to the shepherds, don't be afraid. I'm bringing you good tidings of great joy because this will be for all people, not some, all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So they came bringing the message because they were messengers. Not only are angels messengers with a message, angels are ministering spirits who minister to God and for God. Well, this is Strong Tower Bible Church, and in Hebrews chapter 1 from the Bible, verse 7, listen to this. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? They are his ministers. They are invisible, yet they can also become visible in a burst of fire. As we're going to see later, they can also take human form as well. But they're invisible because they're in the presence of God, but they can take visible form in fire or even as human beings. But the point is, they're there for him. So he created them. And in the book of Hebrews, the whole point is that Jesus is better than anyone in anything. He's better than everyone in everything. And so even with the angels, God never said, come sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool. No, he said that about Jesus. And so we got to remember now that the angels are mighty, but they're not the almighty. We we, we, got to keep that in mind because their power and might comes from God. They would have no power if God did not give them. And so they were created by Jesus, for Jesus, and they are God's ministers. They minister to him by worshiping him, and they minister for him when he sends them out with messages. He is the Lord of hosts. And so the angels are the heavenly hosts, and he is the Lord of hosts. But not only do the angels minister to God and for God, angels are also ministering spirits who minister, listen to this, to God's people, to God's people. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will what? Inherit salvation. Anybody here inheriting salvation? Anybody here going to heaven? Anybody a believer in the house? Amen, amen. So if you're inheriting salvation, if you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, you have angels, ministering spirits who are here for you. So let's go a little bit deeper today. We're going to see three things in this message on heart the herald angels sing. The first thing is that angels played a significant role in the first coming of Jesus. Secondly, angels will play a significant role in the second coming of Jesus. And angels play a significant role in the lives of believers in Jesus. Amen. So let's get into the first point. 
angels played a significant role in the first coming of Jesus. Well, before Jesus was born, the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah, he appeared to Mary, and he appeared to Joseph to give them these messages from God. And the night in which Jesus was born, angels appeared to the shepherds. And we just read that from Luke chapter 2. But as Jesus grew up, we read that angels ministered to Jesus after the wilderness temptations with the devil. So we tend to think, again, the angels are there when the babe is in the manger. The, the angels are there. Mm -hmm, yeah, yeah, they're, they're there celebrating the one who was born. But as Jesus grew in wisdom and stature before God and men, the angels continued to minister to him. Matthew chapter 4, verse 11 says, this is after the wilderness uh, temptations, 40 days of fasting. The devil comes to him to tempt Jesus in order to disqualify Jesus. But Jesus endures the test. He quotes the word of God. He says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus stood. He stood in such a way that he gave us an example on how to stand against spiritual adversity. We stand on the word of God and in the power of God. And the Bible says that the devil left him. But in Matthew 4, 11, to go further, says, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now, the Bible doesn't say exactly how they ministered to him, but we can assume from the text, since he's been fasting for 40 days, that they brought with them food and drink. So they minister to him, and the word minister, I love this, it's the Greek word diakonoi, where we get deacons from. Deacons are men and women who meet the felt needs of the local church. And so the angels came and they met the felt needs of Jesus Christ. Oh, I love this. But going on, an angel ministered to Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. So before Jesus goes to the cross, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Bible says in Luke 22, verse 43, as he's praying to God about the cup of judgment and wrath that he's going to have to drink, that's going to separate him momentarily from the Father. He's going to take all of our sin on his body. He's going to become a curse on the tree. He's struggling in his humanity. And the Bible says, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Now, again, the Bible doesn't tell us how the angel strengthened the Lord, but the angel and angel appeared and strengthened him. Now, when you read the rest of the story in Luke, after the angel strengthens him, the Bible says that Jesus continued on in agony. Not only did he continue in agony, he began to sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. So wait a minute. I thought the angel strengthened him. Yes, the angel did give him strength, maybe to face the agony uh, to, to, to deal with the great drops of blood that would come from his brow. But the angel came and strengthened the son of God. And if Jesus needs an angel, who are we to think that we don't need angelic support? Angels ministered to the disciples when Jesus rose from the dead. Matthew 28 verses 2 through 3. Because when Jesus rose from the grave, the stone was rolled away. Amen. 
And the Bible says an angel rolled the stone away. And the stone was not rolled away for Jesus to get out because he had already ascended. The stone was rolled away so that the world could look in and see that he's not there. And the Bible says the angel rolled the stone away and sat on top of the stone, meaning that he's taking authority over death because Jesus took authority over death. He sat down on it. And when the guards saw the angels, they shook for fear. But the Bible goes on to say how when the women showed up, because the women were the first ones to see and experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not the men, it was the women. And the angels ministered to the women. They gave a message to the women. They said, um, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? They said to the women, uh, uh, come on and, and see. This is the place where the Lord laid. He, he's not here anymore. Now go tell your brothers to meet him in Galilee. They gave the ladies a message to herald to proclaim to the men, but the angels were there. As a matter of fact, the Bible says when they showed up, uh, their countenance was like lightning. Because the thing about angels is you can't be in the presence of God and that glory not rub off on you. Matter of fact, you gotta have some glory in order to be in the presence of the glorious one. So that's why when they showed up on the night in which Jesus was born, there was a light that shone from heaven. So it was a nightlight. It was the glory that was inherent within the angels because they're in the presence of God. When Gabriel spoke to Zechariah and Zechariah was questioning what Gabriel was saying, Gabriel said, man, you're tripping. I stand in the presence of God. So they are beings of light, of fire, because God himself is a consuming fire. God is the light of the world. And so these angels themselves, man, they, they glimmer, they shine like lightning. Angels ministered to the disciples at the ascension of Jesus. So they were there with him when he was born. They were there with him in the wilderness. They were there with him in the garden. They were there when he resurrected from the dead and spoke to the disciples. And when Jesus ascends 40 days after the resurrection... The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verses 9 through 11, that Jesus stepped on a cloud and went up to heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but if I try to step on a cloud, I'm stepping through the cloud. But he has that ability because he's the son of God to make himself weightless. The, the one who has all this weight, honor and glory. And that's really what glory is. It speaks of weight, that, that, that he's got this weight on him because he's glorious, but then he can become feather light and go up to heaven on a cloud. And the angels, the Bible says two men appeared. So while they looking up at him ascending into heaven, two dudes showed up. And the Bible says they were two men. And when they showed up, their clothes were white. They were dressed in white apparel. So two men. Now, ladies, don't get mad at me. I just gave y'all a word of encouragement to say that the women showed up at the tomb when the men didn't. But you'll never read of women angels in the Bible. So whenever an angel takes human form, it's always as a male. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Don't throw a shoe at your pastor this morning. But, but I don't know why God does that. But two men stood while they were looking up and then they started saying, this same Jesus who went up in a cloud is coming back on clouds of power. And, and I love it here because it says there were two men who were in white apparel. Can I help y'all out? I don't want to use the pulpit as a counseling couch, but I got to use it this morning as a counseling couch 
because for so often, when I think of angels, I think of not just two men in white apparel, I've been conditioned to think that the angels are two white men. Every time you see an angel, they're a white man. But the Bible doesn't say it was two white men in white apparel. It says it was two men in white apparel. Pastor, why you got to say that? Because this country has centered whiteness, even within Christendom, to a fault. Where we think everything and everybody in heaven is white or European. But we don't want to read those things into the scripture. But Lord, help me with my challenges as I'm growing up seeing white Jesus, white angels, white cloud tissue. I'm seeing white everything. <laughs> I'd like to think that the angels looked like the Hebrew people of that time. Whatever they looked like. I don't think they were European. I know they weren't European. They were brown, like brown baby Jesus. Uh, plug, plug for my wife's book. Uh, because when the women saw the angels, they weren't like thrown off by seeing them. Because they looked like them. They were human. They, they took on the form of humans. And so during the birth of Jesus, his first coming, angels played a significant role but then secondly, angels will play a significant role in the second coming of Jesus. You all do know he's coming back, right? He, he is coming back. I remember when uh, Michael Jordan retired and people were sad. They were sad because they felt he could still play basketball. He retired. And then he uh, took a two-year excursion and tried to play baseball. And I think after embarrassing himself for two years trying to play baseball, because you're great, Mike, but you're not great at that. Mike, the, the rumors started swirling. He's coming back. He's coming back. And people started getting happy. He's coming back. He's coming. And then the announcement finally came. And they put it in the newspaper saying, he's back. Oh, I got to let you know. Someone uh, who's greater than Air Jordan is coming back. <laughs> he's coming back. And, and here's the beautiful thing about Christmas. We worship the one who came, knowing that he's coming again. He came the first time as a babe to be born in order to be a lamb who would die, but he's coming back again the second time as the son of man, as the lion who will roar from Zion because he is the king of all kings. Oh, he's coming again because he can't lie. And he said he's coming again. Not only that, but these are good angels, and good angels don't lie. Them other ones lie. Them fallen ones lie. But them good ones say, he's coming back the same way. You can bank on it. He's coming back again. And when he comes back, the voice of the archangel will be heard before Jesus returns. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. The voice of the archangel. The angel will shout. Perhaps going back to the Gospels when Jesus gave parables about the bridegroom, there's going to be a, a, a man who's going to shout saying, the, br the bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. And so perhaps the, 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 the voice of the archangel accompanied by an angel playing a trumpet is going to let the entire world know he's back. And he's going to appear in the air. 
and the dead in Christ will, I'm just quoting 1 Thessalonians 4, will rise first and those who are alive and remain will be caught up with them and meet the Lord in the air and forever we will be with the Lord. You see, the return of the Lord is in two phases when you look at scripture. There is the rapture where he comes like a thief in the night. And the Christians, those who trust him, will disappear. Then there's the revelation when every eye will see him and his feet will touch on the Mount of Olives. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. The return of Christ is in two phases, the rapture and the revelation. But the angels are going to announce his second coming just like they did his first coming. Angels will accompany Jesus when he returns to earth. Matthew chapter 16, verse 27. Jesus said, for the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels and that he will reward each according to his works. The wrath of the lamb. That's what Revelation talks about. When Jesus comes back. Oh, my. Uh, This is the age of favor and grace that we're in right now. But there's a time coming that's called the day of the Lord. That's the day of judgment. We are in grace right now. And if you don't know Jesus, you better meet him now. You better ask him now to be your Lord because later he will be your judge. My God. Not only that, angels will separate the wheat from the tear when Jesus returns. Because after the church goes up, there are going to be people left behind who will put their faith in Jesus. And the Bible says in Matthew Chapter 13, beginning at verse 40, he tells a parable of the wheat and the tear. A wheat has a kernel within it, but a tear does not. It looks like wheat, but it's empty. It doesn't have a kernel within it. And so the enemy came in the parable, Jesus tells, and planted tear amongst the wheat. Or in other words, planted fakes in the midst of what and who are real. And those who were doing the fields couldn't tell the difference between what was real and what was fake, the wheat and the tares. And, 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 and they were told, leave it alone, because if you try to pull up the wheat from the tear, you might pull up some tear, uh, uh, some wheat instead of the tear. So, so just, just wait for the reapers to come. Then he gives the meaning of the parable. And here's what he says. Therefore, as the tares are gathered, uh, Take me back to verse 40. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, the fakes, the frauds, the questions, uh, the ain'ts. They ain't saints. They ain't Christians. They are questions and ain'ts. So it will be at the end of this age. Verse 41. The son of man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So when Jesus comes back, the angels are going to go, and they're going to scoop up the fake folk, and they're going to throw them into the furnace or into hell, which, by the way, hell, Jesus said, was created for the devil and his angels. But there are going to be people who are going to join them in hell, and then hell is going to be cast into the lake of fire. And so these angels are going to go out and they're going to grab the fake ones and throw them into the fire. Now, how do angels know fake Christians from real Christians during what is called the tribulation period? How do they know? They do have superior intellect, but how do they know? Well, this came to me. uh, This is a, 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 a different thought. I didn't read this anywhere. 
But, but here's how I think they know. Because the Bible says when a person repents and comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice over that one sinner who repents. So when they're sent out to get the fake Christians, they know the fake Christians from the real Christians because they never celebrated these fake people in heaven. They only celebrated the real Christians in heaven. So they roll up on people they never celebrated in heaven saying, oh, they're the fakes. But these real ones over here, oh, we celebrated when they came to Jesus. That's how they know because we didn't celebrate you in heaven. Come on with us and we got to take you to the fire. Not only that, they know the names written in the Lamb's book of life. You're you going the, 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 the parenthetical you, I'm just talking not, not y'all, but, but just you. When the angels are taking you away to cast you into hell, you're going to be like, oh, man, I'm in the book. Check the book. Check. They're going to be like, no, nah, you ain't up in here. <laughs> Remember how Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Because the disciples went out and did some great ministry. And so the, the devil's kingdom was coming down parenthetically or, the, or theoretically rather. It was coming down. Jesus said, I, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He said, but don't rejoice over that. Rejoice over the fact that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. It, it, it is your name there. When the roll is called up yonder, will you be there? If you're not sure, you need to make it sure. You need to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Oh my. Angels will take vengeance upon unbelievers when Jesus returns. I know we don't like to hear this stuff, but we got to because we're whole council Christians. We just don't read the parts we like and that make us feel good. But we got to read 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 7 because the fear of the Lord is good for us. It says in 2 Thessalonians 1 7, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with who? His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his angels. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. So the angels will assist the Lord in punishing people who have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ and they're coming in flames of fire. This is not to be played with. Angels will pour out judgment on the earth during the tribulation. There are these things called bowl judgments and trumpet judgments. And the angels in Revelations chapter 8 through 18, they are God's servants who will minister judgment on the earth. The angel Michael, the archangel Michael, will cast Satan and his angels out of heaven, according to Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. Because up until that point, the devil still has access into the presence of God. In order to accuse the brothers and the sisters, he has access to come into the presence of God. But somewhere during the tribulation period, his access will be denied, and Michael will battle Satan, the dragon, and Michael will have good angels fighting Satan 
and his bad angels, and they will be cast out of heaven once and for all, and they will come down to earth. So again, read the scriptures. It's all there. An angel will fly across the earth during the tribulation, proclaiming the gospel. Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 through 7. So they're messengers of the gospel. At the birth of Christ, I bring you good news, good tidings for all people. A savior has been born. And again, the mercy of God in the midst of tribulation and judgment, judgment that is right and righteous, judgment that is necessary and holy. In the midst of it, he's still, I'm going to send an angel through. They're going to proclaim the gospel, giving people another chance to trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. An angel will bind and cast Satan into the bottomless pit for 1,000 years. I said an angel will cast and bind Satan into the bottomless pit for 1,000 years. Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. So angels will play a significant role in the second coming of Jesus. Now, with these lists I'm giving you, they're not exhaustive. There's so much more. I can't give you everything, but they play a key role and how God moves in redemptive history. But thirdly and finally, angels play a significant role in the lives of believers in Jesus. Oh, I just want to encourage you because you can look back and say, I I saw the angels back there, okay. You can look forward and say, okay, I know they're going to be out there, but I want to encourage you that they're with you right now. These mighty beings who are invisible, who can also become visible. They're with us right now. You see, all children, like this precious child that's crying right now, that that just means amen in baby language. (laughs) That don't bother Pastor Chris at all. I love the noise. I love that. That's amen. Because what, what the Bible say, a child shall lead them and out of the mouths of babes, I'll get praise. Thank, praise on baby. Praise on baby. <laughs> but Matthew 18, 10 lets us know that all children have an angel watching over them. Jesus said, take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. So every baby has an angel watching over them. Angels, excuse me, all adult believers have an angel watching over them. So babies have them, and then adult believers have them. Everybody doesn't have an angel. Let me read Psalm 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. So God puts his angel around people who fear him. That's another way of saying who know him, who respect God, who take him seriously, who have a relationship with him. If you do not have a relationship with the Lord, the angels of God are not encamping around you. But once you do become one who fears God, who has a relationship with God, angels encamp around you. Why do we need angels to encamp around us? Because the thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy. He's going throughout the earth seeking whom he may devour. We resist him in the faith. We resist him because of the blood and the name of Jesus. And God says, I'm also going to give you backup. I'm going to give you angels as well who will camp 
around you. If you don't know Jesus, you don't have angels camping around you. So let me tell you a couple things about these angels who watch over adults. Angels rescued Lot and his family from destruction in Sodom. Remember, the two of them went there and said, we got to get you out of here because God's going to rain fire and brimstone down. And one of the angels said to Lot, we can't do anything till we get you out. Why? Because Abraham was over here praying for you. God heard the prayers of Abraham because Abraham is the friend of God. And he's interceding for his nephew Lot because God is saying, I'm going to tear that place up because the evil has come up to me. And Abraham's like, wait a minute, man, I got family over there. And he begins to pray and ask God, can you spare the city? And so there were angels who were sent to that city and they pulled Lot and his family out. But one of them looked back. Y'all remember her, don't you? Uh, Mrs. Lot, Mrs. Lot, Mrs. Lot was like, an angel said, don't look back. They were messengers with a message. Let's go. Because what God has for us is in front of us, not behind us. Stop looking back to that life that you lived back then. Keep going. And they grabbed them by the hand. And she looked back and she became a pillar of salt. It's all in the word. We also got to remember that angel and angel fed Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 5 through 7. He was running from Jezebel. He was out of the will of God. But God in his mercy still fed the prophet of God. And, and, and then told him, take a nap. Then get up and eat some more. It was an angel that fed him. Angels in chariots of fire surrounded the enemies of Elisha. You see, the Syrians had come. They surrounded Elisha's house, and they thought they had him, you know. And Elisha's servant was panicking. Oh, look, what are we going to do? And Elisha's just calm and cool, probably eating some Cheetos. He's he just calm and cool. <laughs> and he said, uh, Lord, open his eyes so that he can see that there are more with us than those who come against us. And the servant's eyes were open and he looked in the hills and there were chariots of fire surrounding the home. So the enemy thought they were doing something, but now God said, I got y'all. But dig this, an angel, one angel killed 185,000 Assyrians in one night. I said they were mighty. One night, one angel took out the enemies of the Hebrew people, 185,000. And when they woke up in the morning, the ones who lived, all they saw were bodies there. The Jews saw bodies everywhere. One angel. The Bible says God sent his angel. Now, let me pause here for a second because, again, with the ministry of Jesus, there were many angels. When Jesus ran into Nathaniel, he said, I saw you when you were under the fig tree or the sycamore tree. I can't remember exactly which tree. And he said, uh, you're an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And Nathaniel was like, how you know me? And, and, the Lord, and he was like, you're the Messiah. And Jesus was like, um, you think that's something? That I knew you and saw you under the fig tree? You're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of God. 
What does that mean? Jesus is quoting from Genesis chapter 28 when Jacob, the one who was deceitful, the one who had all kind of guile in him, was running from his older brother Esau because he had stolen the blessing by trickery and he was afraid Esau was going to kill him. But while he's running away, he ends up having an encounter with God because God gives him a dream. He puts his head on a rock and God gives him a dream. And in this dream, he sees a ladder, y'all. And the ladder's base is on the earth and it's going into the heavens and angels are running up and down this ladder. And then Jacob is like, my God, God is here. So I'm going to call this place Bethel, the house of God. So Jesus knows what this man is thinking thousands of years later under a tree because he just might have been meditating in his daily reading on that passage. In Genesis 28, I wonder what that means. What was Jacob going through right there? What was that ladder? Jesus says, "Uh, I'm that ladder. I am the incarnate ladder of Jacob. In other words, Emmanuel, God with us. And the angels, they're ascending and descending upon me when I come the first time, when I come the second time. And so he says, after he's arrested, Peter pulls out a knife and cuts off ears and stuff. He says, man, put that stuff up. Put that. Don't you know? I could call my father right now and he could send 12 legions of angels. I just said the angels are all up and down. He's the incarnate ladder of Jacob. I mean, man, man, angels, angels. But one angel in the Old Testament killed 185,000 people. One. Jesus said, I got 12,000. Well, how many is in the legion? 6,000. I said one killed 185,000. Jesus said, I got 12 legions. One legion is 6,000. So you multiply 12 times 6, you get 72. Am I right? So he's like, I got 72,000 angels. And if I do the math, and I wasn't that great in math, but, but, but I try to work it out. 12 legions equals 72,000 angels. 72,000 angels times 185,000 people. You come up with, where are my notes? 13 billion, 320 million angels. Let me, let me run my math back. 12 legions, 72,000 angels. 72 times 185 equals 13 billion, 320 million. How many people are on the earth today? 7.8 billion people on the earth today. That's today. Back then it wasn't as many. What's the point? If Jesus would have called the angels, they would have destroyed everybody who lived on the earth at that time twice. Probably more because that, that you know, because 7.8 is almost the half of the 13 plus billion. So if he calls them today, then those legions can destroy everybody on earth twice. That's power. Man, I can call the angel. And we ain't even talking about what he could do if he wanted to do it. They got power, mm-hmm, but it comes from him. I'm just saying he ain't no one to be played with. An angel protected the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace. Daniel chapter 3, verse 28. 
one like the Son of God. But when Nebuchadnezzar grabbed his glasses and looked, he says, man, I see an angel. God sent his angel to be with y'all. Oh, and I love it. And the Bible says, and when they came out that fire, because, again, they took the stand for God, and, 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 and Nebuchadnezzar was like, we're going to fire y'all if you don't bow down. They said, the God we serve is able to deliver us. We're not afraid of you or your fire. They throw them in the fire. Then they look and they say, I, I see four. We threw three in, right? I see four. Then they come out. Bible says their hair was not singed. Their clothes was not burned. And they didn't even smell like fire. God will send his angel. When you're in the midst of something that should kill you, destroy you. See, the old folks used to pray this prayer. We get on the road, go somewhere. Them old grandmamas say, Lord, protect them from dangers seen. You thought you made it there because you was a good driver. God sent an angel. An angel protected Daniel in the lion's den. A whole nother king came up and some dudes on Daniel's job who were jealous of Daniel said, we got to find something to get him fired. Uh, but, but he's got so much integrity. The only way we're going to get him is to get him with something between him and his God. And we know he pray all the time. So let's make this edict and get the king to sign it. That if anybody prays for the next 30 days to anybody other than the king, they're going to be thrown into the lion's den. Well, they set Daniel up. Daniel said, I'm not changing what I do because of the laws of the land. He goes and he prays. It's illegal. They throw him into the lion's den. But the king is struggling because the king liked Daniel. He got tricked into making this edict. And so he tried to get Daniel out of it, but they were like, no, because once you sign the law, the law has to go. So they put Daniel lines there, and the king couldn't sleep all night. He fasted. Got up. Well, he didn't even go to sleep. Early in the morning, he comes to the mouth of the lion's den and says, Daniel, did your God protect you? You can hear Daniel's voice from the lion's den. Yes, my God protected me. And in Daniel chapter 6, verse 21, it says, O king, live forever. Why? Because my God sent an angel who shut the mouths of the lion. Just one angel shut the mouths of the lion. And so they pulled Daniel out and they give glory to Daniel's God. But the king said, wait a minute, I got, I got to get the guys who set you up. Because if you dig a ditch for somebody hoping they fall in, you're going to fall in that ditch. So, so go get them and their wives and their children and throw them in the lion's den because they set my boy up. And the Bible says that they didn't even hit the ground in the lion's den before the lions grabbed them and broke all their bones. Same lions. But when Daniel was in there, that angel made them all pussycats. You know, I'm going to shut their mouths. But they woke up hungry for breakfast that morning, and the enemies of God's man were dealt with because an angel, God sent an angel, Daniel said. And when the beggar Lazarus died, angels carried him to Abraham's bosom which is a picture of paradise. So when you die, angels will escort your spirit 
into the presence of God. Because you got to fly through heavenly places and Satan is the prince and the power of the air. And he's always trying to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. But Paul said no demon can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. So when you die in Christ, you get an angelic escort into the presence of God. Thank you. Now, now I got I to gotta help y'all. You don't get wings when you go to heaven. You don't get wings. Angels got wings. You don't get wings, all right? We're not going to be like the angels like that. Jesus does say we're going to be like the angels in the fact that we're not going to be married in heaven. I know some of y'all want to say amen on that, but don't say amen on that too loud. I'm going to be single in heaven. But you won't get wings. An angel rescued Peter from execution and from prison in Acts chapter 12. And I want to let y'all know something right now as I close based on Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12 verse 23. It talks about the people of God coming to Zion. Zion is the place where God dwells with his people. And the Bible says that as you're coming to Zion, you're coming to the local assembly. So again, using figurative language. And he says, when you come to Zion, which is the local assembly, you are being joined by myriads of angels. So every time we come to church collectively to worship God, we're coming into the assembly. We're coming to Zion. And guess who accompanies us when we come? They're here right now. We can't see them. But they're here. You know why? Because they love to worship Jesus. And if you're worshiping Jesus, they're right here with you because that's what they love to do. So the angels are here right now in this house. We can't see them. But we also prayed that God would keep unclean spirits away from this place. Demons away from this place. And, and there's war that happens in heavenly places between angels and demons. So there's a war that's constantly going on that we can't see. But I thank God that it's a war that has already been won. Amen. And since angels can take human form, since they can take human form, it is possible to be around angels and not even know it. Again, they're here invisibly, but they can also take human form. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, my last scripture. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained who? Strangers. People that come to you that you don't recognize, or strangers who may be on the lower rungs of society, strangers, outcasts. Which is why Jesus would say, when you serve the least of these, it's like you're serving me. And sometimes we're serving angels when we help the elderly strangers and outcasts. When we help the children, we're serving angels. So treat people like angels. That's what Paul said in the book of Galatians chapter 4. He said, man, the people here treated me like I was an angel. So can we honor 
the image of God in people and treat them well. Because some of the people we serve, these strangers just might be angels taking human form. The story is told of a serial killer in Boston, Massachusetts. And this serial killer went around strangling elderly people. So a serial killer that killed elderly people in Boston. And so people were afraid and they rarely went out, especially if they were older, because this strangler was on the loose. The good news is that the strangler was caught and they put it on the news with the strangler's picture saying the strangler who's been terrorizing the community and killing elderly people, he has been caught. Well, one elderly man was watching the news and he saw it and he celebrated, but then he paused. He said, wait a minute. I recognize that man. Matter of fact, when I went out for a walk last night, I saw that man. And so the older man was like, I wonder why he didn't attack me. I wonder why he didn't hurt me. And so it got to him. And he said, you know what? I'm going to the jail. And I'm going to sit down with him and I'm going to ask him, you saw me last night. Why didn't you attack me? So the old man went to the jail. They pulled the guy out. He sat down with him. He said, I was walking just last night. You saw me and I saw you. I just want to know why didn't you attack me? The killer said, oh, I was going to get you. But there were these two big fellas walking with you. And I said, I better back up and not touch him. And the old man was like, there weren't two people walking with me. I was walking by myself. And the man said, no, there were two big men with you. And that's why I didn't touch you. You say, okay, Pastor, that's a story. Well, here's real life. I'm riding home from college. I got one of them college cars. Your first car is supposed to be tore up and broken. My first car was tore up and broken. It was bad. It leaned to the side. And we called it the lean machine because of that. The, 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 the little carpet in the top, the, the thing was gone. And so the, 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 the stuffings would drip down on my afro. I mean, it was the lean machine. It dripped oil and all that, but it was mine. It was mine. It was mine. And so one day I'm coming home on break and I get into Maryland. I'm on one of those wide highways. You got four lanes going this way, four lanes going the other way. And my car starts smoking. This true story now. I pull the lean machine over to the side of the road. I lift the hood and my engine is on fire. I'm like, man, what, what in the world? Cars are going by, view, view, view. And then there's this median in the middle and cars are going by on the other side. And I'm like, oh, my, my stuff is on fire. Nobody's stopping to help a brother out. I'm like, what's going on? What am I going to do? And then all of a sudden, a dude appeared from out of nowhere. And he stood in the center of the highway. He had an overcoat on and glasses. And he said, do you need some help? I said, yeah, I need some help. He threw me a fire extinguisher from the center all the way over the four lanes to my side. And I went and grabbed the fire extinguisher. And when I picked it up, he was gone. Put my fire out. And I said, now, where did he come from? Where did he go? Busy traffic both ways. He's in the middle of the street. 
roof, and who has a fire extinguisher on them? You can front if you want to. I know God sent an angel. And dig. I'm assigned an angel, you know? And so he may be watching me everywhere I go, helping a brother out. And some of y'all have been putting y'all's angels through a whole lot of work, all the stuff you get into. <laughs> and when that stuff happens, it's surreal, and it's like, again, it's just not normal. But here's a story that a lady in our church shared with me just this past week. She didn't even know I was going to be preaching on this. We're just talking online. And she says, Pastor, I have actually seen an angel. He was in the car with me just before a drunk driver T-boned me a few years ago. I had just taken a friend home from work and I stopped to get gas. The Holy Spirit directed me to put my seatbelt on as soon as I got in the car. I started down the road heading home and looked to my left and there he was. The angel was leaning forward looking straight ahead. He was beautiful. Then I said to myself, is he here because I'm about to die? But then in this incredible, unexplainable moment, peace came over me and filled my car. That was the exact time I was hit by the drunk driver. A deputy told me later that if I hadn't had my seatbelt on, I wouldn't have gone through the windshield. I would have gone through the windshield and probably been killed. I was hit so hard that my car was bent like a horseshoe. And when I went to meet the adjuster a few days later, I walked into the area where my car was towed and he just looked at me like, you survived that? My car was totaled and I would have been too, but God. I sometimes hear one of the angels assigned to me. He has tinkling bells on his garment. Sometimes I can smell them as if incense has perfumed their robes. I believe that. And if I open up the mic and say, does anybody have any angel stories? I bet there'd be a few testimonies here. But let me leave you with three admonishments. Three admonishments. Number one. Don't worship angels. Worship God. Amen. Don't worship angels. John, the revelator who spent time with Jesus, when he's caught up and he's receiving the revelation and the angel is giving him the information, it is so glorious that he falls down at the feet of the angel to worship the angel. And the angel says, don't do that. Because I am a fellow servant like you. And the angel says, worship God. Amen. The only angel that wants you to worship it is a demon. Secondly, don't look for angels. Look for God. Look for God. Don't look for him. Look for God. Titus 2.13 says, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior. Jesus. We're looking for Jesus. And finally, don't depend on angels, depend on God. Amen. Daniel 6.21, Daniel said God sent his angel. 
The angel can't even come unless God sends the angel. So I'm not wish, uh, worshiping or looking to, rather, the one who's coming. I'm, not looking for, I'm looking for the one who can send him. He's got the power. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Let's stand for prayer. Amen. You are loved, you are covered, you are kept, you are safe, you are secure. Nothing happens in your life without God's divine permission and approval. Not one hair from your head will fall to the ground without the knowledge of your father. If you're going through it, it's because he's allowing you to go through it. And he's going to use what you're going through to make you more like Jesus. So don't faint, don't give up, press in to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these ministering spirits who are here right now because they love you and they worship you. They honor you. They adore you. And I thank you, Lord God, that we get to join the myriad of angels across the world today who are going in to your presence on this Lord's Day to worship you in spirit and in truth. And Lord, it's just a taste of what's going to happen when we get there. We thank God for our loved ones who are already in the presence of God. Lord, even on this Christmas, as we may have an empty seat at the table, we may have some memories, Lord God, that bring sorrow into our heart. I pray that you will turn our sorrow into joy, knowing that our loved ones who have trusted in Jesus are in your presence with no sickness, no pain, Nothing. So thank you for the good news. Death has truly lost its sting and the grave has no victory whatsoever. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. Thank you, Jesus, that you lived a perfect life. Thank you, Jesus, that you were anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for rising again from the dead on the third day. Thank you, Jesus, for inhabiting the hearts of folk who say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Jesus, I'm lost. Jesus, I put my faith in you. And thank you that you hear our prayer and you come into our lives. Thank you for your love. We bless you today. And if you should allow us to make it to Sunday, whether we worship you in this house or in our homes, Lord, we just want to give you the glory that is due you. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, amen. amen, amen. Anybody got a hand praise for Jesus? Come on now, let's give him some praise. Hallelujah. Well, you are dismissed. Take some time to meet and greet your neighbor. Bless those who are around you and have a wonderful day in the Lord. Amen. <laughs>